What are your writing dreams? Finishing that book, quitting the day job, becoming a best-selling author? Well, over four years, we've studied the advice of over 300 best-selling authors who've collectively sold over half a billion books. And we are excited to announce the Best Seller Academy. If you're ready to take your writing to the next level with accountability, craft, and coaching, your bestseller dreams are now only a click away. To find out more and apply, visit bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. That's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash academy. Let's run the show. Hello and welcome to the Bestseller Experiment, where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start, finish and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe. And I'm Mark Stay. And uh, well, uh, thank you, as always, to the wonderful, wonderful people who keep this podcast going, be it people in the Academy or patrons over on Patreon. And we got some new patrons this week. So everyone, budge up at the back of the bus and make room, please, for Sarah Zeman and Tricia Dawson. Thank you to both of you for your support. You keep us going. And there's all sorts of amazing stuff in there, deep dives, all sorts of incredible stuff. I mean, I'm recording a great deep dive with a science fiction fantasy editor this week and be talking about the the behind the scenes stuff there there's tons of deep dive stuff and also if you want to get involved in the academy academy.bestsellerexperiment.com or just go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support you can find out how you can keep the podcast going get involved and get all sorts of wonderful bonus material mr d how are you i'm very good and uh a very well, an extended Happy New Year because it's been, uh, it's been, it feels like it still feels like I'm writing 2022 on all of my, you know, exercise books at school. Just can't kind of work that one out. <laughs> but uh, how was, how was, uh, there's a lot going on, isn't there? What's happening in the next couple of weeks? Big exciting news. I've got a film coming out. Oh uh, so in uh, the UK and Ireland, Unwelcome is coming out on 27th of February. So the last couple of days have been completely manic because I've been doing interviews uh, for magazines and podcasts and, and bits and bobs like that, which has been really, really good fun. So it's so nice to finally... I mean, I know we've talked about it nonstop on this podcast, but, you know, with with strangers about the film and um, reviewers who've seen it and liked it, which is really exciting. So, uh, so yeah, 27th of Jan in uh, the UK and Ireland. Uh, if you're with if you're one of those people who's got a Cineworld uh, unlimited card, you can get and see it a few days early. I think it's on the 24th, the Tuesday wow. the 24th. You can get and see it early for anyone else. So uh, take advantage of that. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. It's coming. Uh, uh, there's little bits and bobs cropping up on social media and what have you, little teasers here and there. So watch my social media for that. So I, I, I'm, I've got that mixture of excitement and massive anxiety. <laughs> 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 which is only natural right it's yeah, only natural yeah, i mean yeah, it's like yeah, you've yeah. been there many times before with book releases and other film releases and i think it's mm. it's super exciting and i can't wait to see it i can't i cannot wait it's been like it's just been one of those incredible journeys to get to this date and <laughs> tell I'm me just, about it <laughs> i'm just so grateful that it's happening you know it's like absolutely <laughs> brilliant so yeah support the films you know Get out, get your book your tickets now because I know you can. I think some people on on social media are saying that they've already they've actually already bought their tickets. 
they'd gone to their local cinema um, uh, website. I, and- I salute Kate Baker, who was the first person I know who's bought a ticket for it. Yeah. I think she's she's you know she's one of those Cineworld people. So uh, yeah, it's um- yeah. So so fill those cinemas because it's a bit it's a bit like I think with films. I mean, I don't know too much about the cinema industry, but I think with 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 cinema, it's very much like books. Like the more that you can. The, the more kind of a push there is up front, the, the more longevity the film has. And like with a book, like the, the, it helps the whole momentum of it and the more it spreads, word of mouth, all that good stuff. So get out there yeah. and book a ticket for Unwelcome. <laughs> support Mark and support everyone who's in the movie. Um, you know, it's I think it's absolutely fantastic and I can't wait to see it. Thank you. And I'm going to try and find out the other release dates internationally. Uh, the States, as far as I know, is March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day. So because it's it's an Irish, there's a lot of Irish in it, a lot of Irish in America. So they're leaning on that that factor, which is why it's a little delayed. Uh, well, not delayed, but they just decided let's bring out St. Paddy's Day in the States. So, yeah, yeah. that should be lots St- of fun. Strategic, strategic. Oh, yes, that's absolutely. it. Yeah. Brilliant yeah, stuff. yeah. yeah. Now, Mark, we have a cracker of an interview today. Oh my today. god, this is and, so much fun! <laughs> and, and we don't we don't actually have enough hours in the week to actually talk about everything we want to talk about. But yeah. let's dive straight in. Tell us about this week's amazing guest, Matt Kane. Well, Matt Kane, he started uh, with a successful career making arts and entertainment shows for TV. He was Channel 4 News' culture editor. He was editor-in-chief of Attitude magazine. And while this was all going on, he was writing novels and he was getting rejections. Boy, was he getting rejections. Uh, 30 agents rejected him, 50 publishers. Then when he was finally published, his dream came true. The first two novels, well, they didn't work. But then he made a stunning comeback with a crowdfunded novel called The Madonna of Bolton. And since then, he's had a hit with The Secret Life of Albert Entwistle. And he's back with a new novel, Becoming Ted. And all of them, they're funny, they're heartwarming, they're uplifting. So we discuss the importance of an author's authentic voice, why gay fiction doesn't need to be literary and serious to sell, and how after rejection and failure to make a spectacular comeback. And just a heads up, Gets a little bit sweary in places, so if you got the kids with you, and you know, cover their ears. Um, but yeah, this is this is hugely entertaining. Wonderful. So let's dive in and listen to Mark chatting with the utterly brilliant Matt Kane. Matt Kane, welcome to the bestseller experiment. How are you today, sir? I'm very well, thank you, and it's good to be here. It's good to have you on the show. Uh, we're here to talk about your amazing new book, Becoming Ted. And the shout line on the press release uh, for this, I love this. It says, it's never too late to follow your dreams, which could be the shout line for this very podcast. So tell us all about <laughs> Becoming Ted. And for my whole life, it could be the shout line. <laughs> it's, it was inspired by, um, I don't know if you or your listeners remember the film Shirley Valentine. Yeah, of course. Um, and there was a TV show that I got very into during the string of lockdowns called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Right. And they were both about women who were kind of downtrodden in bad marriages and found their way out and went on to pursue their own dreams in some way. And while I was watching Mrs. Maisel in one of the lockdowns, one of the series, um, I had the idea for a kind of gay version. And, you know, I'd been toying with a gay version of Shirley Valentine for a while. So this is about a man in his 40s whose husband leaves him out of the blue. He's devastated, but then he sees that actually this could be an opportunity and an opening for him because, 
you know what? His husband wasn't all that great and he suppressed his sparkle. He stopped him from following his dream. And maybe now is the time to follow his dream. And that dream is to be a drag queen. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> now, drag, as the young people might say, is so hot right now. But drag has had a really long and venerated history, especially in the UK. But what is it, do you think, about drag that's captured people's imagination now? And, and how much of that fed into and inspired becoming Ted? Oh, that's a good question. This is the first time I've talked about this book, right. actually. <laughs> <laughs> and just bookmark something. I want to talk to you about the title in a while. On, but I'll on. answer your question about Ted, uh, about drag, which is um, I grew up with the kind of working class northern tradition of, you know, um, working men's club, drag mm -hmm. queens, the gruff kind of, you know, I always think of Lady Diamond in Sitges, um, who I love. But I've been inspired by this new wave of drag. To me, and the reason it's become so popular is because it's not just about female impersonation or exaggeration. It's about taking traditional gender norms and in a more, in a wider sense, being told how we should and shouldn't behave and just turning it all on its head and being a bit anarchic and shaking the tree. And um, I think that can be freeing for lots of people, not just people who feel trapped by their gender, but people who feel they sh who've been told they should be doing this, they should be doing that. And I think also finding an alter ego in yourself that is a kind of more extreme, extravagant, flamboyant version of yourself helps kind of help someone access parts of themselves that they've suppressed that maybe allow them to get in touch with an inner confidence they didn't think they had or an inner strength. And actually, it's interesting because my novels have tended to be about gay men and gay themes, and they've been front of centre. But I've always wanted a universal appeal. And it did strike me um, quite recently that one of the reasons my books do appeal to straight readers, I think, is because all of us can appreciate um, how restrictive it is to feel like we're being shoved in a box that we're supposed to do this, our parents expect us to do that, boys do this, girls do that, people from this area or ethnicity should behave in a certain way. And it's very limiting for, you know, we're all individuals, we're all unique. And queer stories are usually about people finding themselves, their authentic individual self and having to conquer obstacles along the way. And I actually think that is a kind of template or journey that it shouldn't just be about gays who get to enjoy that. It's for all of us. Yeah. You know, we've all felt limited or restricted, and it's great to be inspired to break out of that. Let's let's circle back. Let's talk about the title. Tell us about the title, Becoming Ted. Right. So I can't usually talk about this, but your listeners understand the process, the publishing industry, the craft, and... I initially chose the name Ted because I wanted um, I want a book with mainstream appeal. So I was thinking of a sweet, warm um, name for um, a gay man that would invite people in, Hudley. And um, Ted is an obvious one. But it also struck me that, the, that 
in terms of the word, I could work with puns, rhymes in the title. So my initial title when I was writing it was Ted First, because finally at the age of 43, he's putting himself first to know what right. other people want of him. And then I was playing around with it and I came up with Ted Over Heels. you've got the drag element and you've got um falling in love again obviously i didn't mention that when i gave you my little elevator pitch but he does find the chance of falling in love again without wanting to give too much away and i thought this was brilliant (laughs) and i was very excited to tell my publisher and they decided against it and the reason is they thought it was a bit too commercial. I'm sure you've gone into the um, distinction between commercial and literary and yeah. how publishing works. They thought it was a bit too commercial and it made the book possibly sound like it was just about drag and that there was less emotional depth to it. And if you want the hardback to be in Waterstones and this, that and the other, um, it's it's possibly going to work against that. And at which point I then said, all right, then if you want Becoming Ted, I'm fine with Becoming Ted, but how about the strap line, high stakes, high emotions, high heels? (laughs) 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 And they again told me that that was a bit down market and lightweight, (laughs) which is clearly where my natural bent sends me. But um, I think that in itself is... Interesting, actually, if you're talking about the business and the marketing, you know, and we've had big discussions about drag, how much the drag element should be front and centre. And I'm saying this because I don't disagree with my publisher on anything. That's why I can be so open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all want a bestseller. And um, they wanted it to be a kind of surprise yeah. when reading the book. So... It, it is a surprise when reading it, but I said I'm fine not to blow that straight away in the prologue, which flashes forward, but I said I don't feel I can talk about the book in any depth in interviews and in publicity without mentioning it. Yeah. So as you did, interesting, this is the first the first interview I've done about this book. <laughs> first question, drag. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the big selling point, but it does need careful handling because we don't want people to think it's just another episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, so there's no yeah, yeah. emotional depth, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I wanna I wanna circle back to this later because particularly with your book, The Madonna of Bolton, uh, this idea uh about that sort of fine line that that gay fiction has to walk where it you know, there's a perception maybe it needs to be serious and literary, but we'll come back to that. We'll come back to the minute because I'm still fascinated by Ted because Ted works in a family firm, a big ice cream firm, but he hates ice cream and he does want to tell his parents that. So secrets and secret dreams are a big theme in the book. Is it, Again, is this something that's that's personal to you or did it come about during the writing of the novel? Well, funnily enough, so when you do grow up gay, I mean, obviously I'm very visibly presenting and it was always obvious, which led me into all kinds of trouble at school, as you can imagine. But um, when you do grow up gay, you often absorb the message that you're wrong, there's something wrong with you, you're a disappointment. Um, And that's there anyway. So once other things happen in life, they can feed into that. And, you know, we've got a whole conversation to have about creative rejection, how that opens up old wounds, makes you feel not good enough. Um, And another theme of 
uh, Teddy's low self-esteem. But I remember on a, on a very um, light note, um, when I was growing up, I never liked cake. And, um, you know, when it's when it comes to birthdays and me and my brother and sister, you know, it was what what's your birthday cake? I just didn't like cake. And um, people thought there was something wrong with me, that uh, a, a child who doesn't like cake, I don't like it now, I can't stand it. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I kind of, there's been too many books set in cupcake shops and this, that, and yeah, the other. Yeah. But I liked the idea of, um, it was actually my agent, Sophie Lambert at CNW, who's brilliant. She's, I was bouncing around ideas for this book. She'd been with her family to Morelli's, um, an ice cream, an Italian ice cream shop in Broadstairs in Kent that's gone, that's run for several generations. She's just up the road from me, know it very well. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was always looking at their menu when I was writing <laughs> them and Mingellas. I was constantly looking at their menu and uh, pictures of their um, shop when I was, because that's kind of art deco isn't it, their shop? Yeah, yeah, it's lovely, um, yeah. 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 Well, you might recognise a bit of the influence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, she she um, mentioned this as a potential setting. Everybody loves ice cream, and um, the idea of somebody who's the son of a family who runs an ice cream shop that's run for generations and he doesn't like it. <laughs> I thought, you know, he would again. I was looking for other levels and layers of feeling like he was a disappointment to his parents to kind of, you know, yeah. deepen what he feels for being gay. And um, that sense of duty, something that would hold him back from following his own dream so that he's got something to fight against. And I mentioned Shirley Valentine and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but I also watched a few times when I was writing this book at the beginning, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, right. which is about someone finding love later in life she's got the expectation that she'll work for the family greek restaurant mm. and that's just not her yeah and um yeah um you're i'm trying to think back to i, I feel i'm thinking have i answered your question what you was have your question you have about? no you've answered it brilliantly <laughs> absolutely brilliantly look let's talk about your career because there is so much to discuss i mean you, you've had an astonishing career you're working channel 4 news you're making documentaries you're writing for attitude uh, editor-in-chief attitude forgive me uh, you know you've done all this incredible stuff then in 2014 you debut with a novel shot through the heart with pam mcmillan and it has it has a lot of hollywood glitz in it and forgive me if I'm wrong, but from looking at the blurb and everything, it looks like it's a straight romance, not a gay romance. Was that yes. was was there any pressure to make it straight, or were you thinking this is what I need to do to be commercial? Can you tell us about Shot Through the Heart and, and the second novel, Nothing But Trouble? How honest do you want me to be? Uh, we love a bit of honesty. Uh, we don't want to get into trouble, but we love honest <laughs> authors. All right, let's get down to business. So <laughs> the first book that I wrote was The Madonna of Bolton. Right. It was about um, a young boy growing up in northern working class Bolton in the 80s, had a hard time for being gay, clung on to pop icon Madonna and her message as a kind of spirit guide to get him through. And then as he gets older, has to kind of let go in order to find his own voice. That's the elevator pitch 
for that one. And that was the first one I started writing. That was over the course of several years through several um, attempts submitted to so many agents and then all of whom dumped me. So many publishers, all of whom rejected it. It got to, um, I think I got to over 30 agents and 50 publishers and I just stopped counting. Although I have got every single one of those rejection <laughs> letters and emails still i've literally got them still and um i found some more actually the other i found another batch um hidden away in a shoebox the other day um, and you can imagine when you know from the little i've told you about my upbringing when you've been made to feel bad about yourself growing up there's something wrong with you you're not good enough every time you get a rejection particularly yeah. for a personal book it reopens those old wounds it was horrendous and the publishing industry as you know and your listeners know is a very slow moving one it can be a drip 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 of rejection over months and months Mm. and months anyway nobody wanted to publish that book we'll come back to that i imagine yes and um one editor said to me um why don't you, rather than writing gay characters front of centre and gay themes, write um, straight female characters with gay best friends and have right. gay subplots? And um, I thought, rather than be all political and outraged about it, I've got so many ideas and there's so many books I want to write. I found a way of doing that with my first couple of books um, that wasn't any kind of compromise to who I was as a writer or what I wanted to write about. And um, I did that, but guess what? They're tanked. (laughs) 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 Which was also (laughs) devastating. (laughs) (laughs) I had this, you know, it's lovely when you say I had this big career. I did have this big career and I was earning all all this money in these big jobs. And um, I left China. I was the arts editor, the arts correspondent on Channel 4 News. And I left when I got my first book deal because I thought, finally, I've been trying for years. And I thought I'd been saving up. And I thought, I'm not going to, I'm going to throw everything I've got at this. I really want to make it work. So I left my full-time job. Um, I did actually ask if they did have a thing. If you were editor level, which I was, you could take a sabbatical to write a book. And mm. I did ask if I could do that, but they said it was only for nonfiction in your area. Oh. So um, <laughs> I, I know I very sadly handed in my notice, did a couple of books. The wheels came off my career. It was absolutely horrendous. I had absolutely no money. I had to take in lodges for my spare rooms. I was shopping at little. And um, basically, it just ended up like getting in so much debt. I was lying awake, tossing and turning at night, couldn't pay the mortgage. Um, and I therefore, with my tail between my legs, went back into a big media job Um God knows how. I persuaded the publisher of Attitude, the big gay magazine, to make me the editor when I'd never worked in print journalism before. (laughs) (laughs) And did that for a while until I could um, reinvigorate things by dragging the Madonna of Bolton back out of the bottom drawer and crowdfunding it. Because nobody had published it. I want to talk about that Madonna of Bolton in a second because it's it's an amazing turnaround. But, I mean, one of the things we, we talk about it, 
you know, on the podcast and with our, you know, we have an academy, we've got writers in our academy, is having an authentic voice. And that thing of, you know, some people feel that they have to write to market, they have to become someone else or write almost as if there's someone else in order to, you know, write to a particular market. Do you feel that was what happened with Shot Through the Heart and Nothing But Trouble? Was Did you, were there points where you didn't feel it was authentic or, uh, you know, looking back now with a the, the bit of hindsight? Um, funnily enough, no. Um, I never I never thought it was inauthentic, and I still don't. I'm really proud of those books. And there was a third one that never got published because I got dumped by the publisher. <laughs> <laughs> After I'd spent a year writing it, and I actually think it's the best book I've ever written. So it may see the light of day at some point. But um, no, I didn't think they were inauthentic because I could, I couldn't, I just couldn't have done it. I would have stayed doing a media, to me, that would have been like doing a big media job. I would have um, stayed and done that. Um, But interestingly, um, my editor, who I still got on with from that time, and I had lunch with the other day, he said when my books weren't selling, although there are other reasons for the books not selling, you know, which to do with the publication process, but I don't want to sound like a bitter (laughs) author, so I won't talk about that now. But he said, look, everybody here loves working with you. Everybody loves publishing you. Um, Why don't you write a different kind of book? And he wanted me to write psychological thrillers, which were huge at the time. And I said to him, and I said to my agent, I said, look, I like to think that if I knuckled down and got on with it, I could write a psychological thriller. But I said, it's not going to be true to me. Mm-hmm. I can only ever write with heart and humour. Um, somebody said um, "Somebody said I was the three Cs, camp, clever, common. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought... Um, I, could, I just thought that would be a betrayal of who I was. That would be inauthentic. And... Um, Interestingly, I remember years ago making a documentary with Fair Weldon, and um, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, but she said to me, she'd written all these books and she was really successful, but the industry wouldn't take her seriously and she was never nominated for the Booker Prize. And she wrote a book called Praxis and she thought... um, Fuck this. I'm going to go through it. And am I allowed to swear on your podcast? Well, you've done it now, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> she said to me over lunch, she said, I'm going to show them. I'm going to go through this book and I'm going to strip out all the jokes. And she stripped out all the jokes. And guess what? It ended up on the Booker shortlist. Oh, <laughs> <right>. And <laughs> I thought, if I do that, if I write a psychological thriller, I'll be working against my natural urges and my natural authentic creativity all the time so Mm. I felt I couldn't do it but then funnily enough so I know we're skipping ahead a bit but after the Madonna of Bolton had put me back on the map and reinvigorated my writing career and publishers wanted to work with me most of the ones who dumped me before (laughs) Um, one thing that was selling then was suddenly this new genre of uplet yeah yeah which um as you know it's about characters who are unhappy usually have unresolved traumas in the past they go back and fix things in order to move forward in their life and find true happiness well it struck me actually that trying to be savvy and business-like about it that i could do that without being um without betraying my authenticity 
And I, it also struck me that um, the gay experience from older gays would be dynamite in that genre because, uh, you know, if you think about Eleanor Oliphant with a yeah. past trauma she has to resolve, I was, I'd always wanted to write about an older gay man who goes back to find a lost love. So um, when I wrote The Secret Life of Albert Entwistle, which again wasn't the original title, but um, the publisher chose that. And when I started this new relationship with Headline, a big publisher that's part of the Hachette Group, Becoming Ted is the second of three books I'm doing for them. Um, I thought, right, I can do this and I can tap into what the industry wants. And I can, you know, so I came up with a story of, um, unhappy, secretly gay, lonely, stuck in his ways, postman in his 60s. He has a series of life crises. They make him want to turn things around. He realises that the only way to be happy is to set off in search of the lost love of his life, a man he's not seen for 50 years. And along the way, he has this transformational um, journey, make, you know, reconnects with his community, makes um, some unexpected um, connections with people he thought were very different, realises aren't. Mm. And um, it's actually, if you look at that book, I was really, I was really like, right, I'm going to have a mainstream hit here. And I literally studied Eleanor Oliphant, those Joanna Cannon books, Harold Fry. I literally stripped them apart structurally. I'm like, I'm going for the jugular here. I'm going to have a big mainstream hit. And... um, that's what got me the deal. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Look, we're skipping ahead. We're skipping. We keep we keep dancing around the Madonna of Bolton because this this is this is the, you know, this as you say was pivotal to your career. So many rejections over I think at least over 10 years. And then yeah. you go to Unbound. And I'm an Unbound author, you know, with crowdfunding. It's um it's one of one of the joys of Unbound is if you look at their list, it is full of people who've been rejected by mainstream publishing, who've thought, sod it, I'm going to do this myself, and have had hits off the back of that. Tell us about your experience. Well, tell us a bit more about the Madonna of Bolton and your experience with with Unbound. Well, so um, I told you what it was about, and basically I was getting all this rejection over years and years and years. And actually, I have to be honest, the early drafts of the book may not actually have been good enough. Excuse me. I'm um, and um, the early drafts may not have been good enough. And I did listen to a lot of the feedback, and I did keep rewriting it, keep rewriting it, and um, but it kept getting rejected. And literally, I mean, you know, so many rejections, it's unbelievable. But the last lot, after I got it good enough, the last lot all kept coming back to the same thing. They kept saying. Um, it's too niche. There's no market for it. It's because of the gay central character. And um, by the end of that 10 years, I think it was actually more like 12, I was then, because my first stab at a writing career had dropped, I basically was then editing Attitude magazine. And even then, I mean, the humiliation, I still couldn't get my book published when I was editor-in-chief of the biggest gay magazine in the country. And I was constantly on, like, BBC Breakfast and Sky News and this, that, the other. They kept saying, no, there's no market for it. And I'm thinking, actually, that's bollocks, quite frankly, because I was. we were interviewing, like, you know, 
Sam Smith, who had the biggest selling album of the year, singing yeah. about being in love with another man. Mm-hmm. You know, huge Hollywood films, um, stars, um, every like if you like TV shows, every time you switch on a soap, there's practically the entire cast of Hollyoaks is gay <laughs> or queer or lesbian. You know, and they've been having gays in Korean. Emmerdale and um, EastEnders for years. I was like, this is just rubbish. Mm. And um, I knew about Unbound because somebody called Katie Guest, who had been the literary editor of The Independent on Sunday and is an amazing woman and journalist, she had interviewed me when my first published novel, Shot Through the Heart, came out. And um, I heard that she'd gone to Unbound as an editor. And I remember walking there one lunchtime from the Attitude offices near Old Street and going to unbound offices near the canal. And I went in there, I was like, right, I don't just want to publish this book. I basically want to get a whole campaign going. All these celebs I'm working with with a magazine and our social media platform, I want to have everybody standing by and ready to go. And I want to do a load of press and I want to have it crowdfunded and the record I said what's your record they said um 14 days I think it was for a novel I said right I'm gonna do it in seven and um, I literally (laughs) was like so on it I just contacted everybody had everything lined up and ready to go and um we had it was something like the week before the Attitude Awards and we had like Tom Daly was presenting it we had Kylie turning up we had Prince Harry turning up you know, I was just, um, I was around lots of celebs and I had this profile at the time and I thought, right, I'm going to show them. And I went out there and I shared some of my rejection letters with The Guardian that was saying, um, this book is too gay to get a mainstream, it's too niche and, you know, to get a readership. And we shamed um, the publishing <laughs> industry and um, did it in record time. And um, the book came out, it did well, it was all great. And then I started having conversations with publishers about um, um, writing, what books I might write for them. And that's how Albert Entwistle came about. Right. right. Um, although I wrote it outside a deal, we were talking to publishers then. So it kind of kickstarted everything. And, you know, the publishing industry now, I mean, I've no idea whether the two things are connected, but everybody is, every editor, every publisher is very keen to sh- to show its diversity credentials and yeah. to have gay writers and gay themed books um, on their list. And sometimes it's tokenistic and they don't back it up with resources. And um, But um, that's absolutely not the case with me. And... I've been talking too much, Mark. I no, feel like I love it. Different. I'm loving it. This is just fantastic. I just want to circle back to something we were talking about earlier, and it sort of ties in with the thing you were talking about with Faye Weldon, because uh, publishing, you know, well-published gay authors with gay books and gay themes, but I got a feeling that they will only do it if it's serious and literary and is going to win awards and it's issues-based, whereas your books are joyous and life-affirming and, as you say, funny and clever and camp and what have you. So do you think that was a problem as well? It was It was like, well, we don't understand this because if, if it's about the gay issue, it needs to be serious and we need to be frowning and, and have serious debates about it. Do you think that played a part in it as well? 
Absolutely. That absolutely played a part. You are spot on. I actually got one rejection letter that said, and I can remember who it was from, but I'm not going to say his name on this. <laughs> it said, um, for gay to be successful, it needs to be literary. And actually, this is where um, class snobbery also comes into it. Um, the belief was that intelligent people who read things on the booker shortlist will be open-minded enough to um, empathise with gay characters. But kind of single mums who shop in Asda wouldn't. And I was so outraged at this suggestion, <gasps> partly because that's the background that I'm from. Yeah. And also I knew it was just incorrect. Mm. I knew that the people who watch EastEnders and Corrie and Emmerdale are not people who read literary fiction and they all love the gay characters. Yep. And they're not neutered gay characters they have romantic storylines and love affairs and relationships i thought this is just rubbish it's literally just crap and um but yeah that belief i think it was i think publishing was just behind a lot of the other creative industries yeah and because i'd been when I was culture editor on Channel 4 News and I reported on all the creative industries, I could see that these things were happening and um, publishing was like trailing behind them. And I just really wanted to give it a kick up the arse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 arguably, it still needs it now, Matt. Um, now, you mentioned <laughs> The Secret Life of Albert Ent Entwistle, uh, where you've got a protagonist in the 60s and, and, and the uplit genre, and now we've got Becoming Ted. As you say, these are joyous books. They're life-affirming. You mentioned a third book coming. Is there anything you can tell us about that yet? I can, because I've just finished it. Yay! Because, <laughs> listen to this. Um, I'll tell you this again, because your listeners get it all. I actually finished Albert Entwistle, and then I only had a one-book deal. Right. But lockdown happened, and I thought, what am I going to do? I've just got to get on with writing another book. So I started writing the book that's going to be the third in the headline deal. Basically, I'd always loved um, David Nichols' One Day. Mm -hmm. which is 20 years, two friends, you know, secret love, um, the will they or won't they get together, and also Sally Rooney's Normal People. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to do a gay version because actually when you're both the same sex and you're attracted to the same sex, it can really get complicated, the lines blurred. You know, and if you look at films like When Harry Met Sally, actually quite unusual for a straight man and a straight woman of, a, of past the age of university and past the 30s to be close friends. Right. You're either um, married or you have friends of your own sex. With gays, it can be quite mixed up. And I thought, I'm going to do the gay version. So um, <laughs> this book that I've already written, it's about two men who meet at Manchester University in 2002 and one and 20 years later to celebrate their 20th anniversary um and moved it forward a bit from when i originally started writing it um they go back to manchester pride which is a weekend affair over four days the august bank holiday and over four days this relationship comes to a head because one of them has been secretly in love with the other for the whole 20 years and it's a dual time frame you get these kind of flashbacks that um fill in everything that's happened between them and i wrote this um in the lockdowns and what happened was i presented it to my publisher 
And this is cutting a very long story short because one editor left and it was all a bit more complicated than this. But they said, this book is brilliant, but it's quite different to Albert. So if we're building up a readership for you over several books, we don't want to lose them. So how about my agent had the idea? How about you write a bridging novel? which is somewhere in between. Right. So you've got Albert, who's in his 60s, and it's kind of all very chaste. There's no kind of um, sex or um, rowdy humour or, um, you know, you know the kind of way often gay men will speak to each other in bars. And then you've got two boys meeting in their 20s and going through their 40s, through to their 40s. I thought, right, if I do one somewhere in the middle, um because I've got a big sex scene in the third book. What's going to be the third book? There are nerves around that. I thought, <laughs> right, how about I write a book that somewhere, somehow bridges this gap? And in my head, it's not a big gap because it's all come out of my brain and my creativity. Yeah. But effectively, this is a very long way of saying to you, the third book in this trilogy, which I'm just finishing off now, was actually the second one that I wrote. Right, right. Fantastic. Brilliant. Matt, this has been an absolute joy speaking to you. Uh, folks, Becoming Ted, out there now, grab a copy. And also, Madonna of Bolton, Shot Through the Heart, Nothing But Trouble, Secret Life of Albert Entwistle, all fantastic stuff, all life-affirming stuff. Matt, it's been an absolute joy. I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you, Mark. Now, Mark, we do a bit of we do a little bit of kind of chats before the show where we try and work out what, what things do we want to talk about. And and honestly, we have so we spent twenty much, minutes doing that. We spent twenty minutes, <laughs> yeah, just talking about the first point we want to discuss. So, listen, we're going to dive in. We're going to dive in deep because it, what Matt talked about the opening the opening of the interview where he talked about this idea of alter ego. I mean, he used it in reference to you know character you know and and going going to the drag world and mm. it's a brilliant metaphor absolutely yeah, yeah, brilliant yeah. and yeah. and it got me thinking it got me thinking that actually this is what every single writer does yeah. it's it's why people write it's the escapism it's going to those dark places those hilarious places those outrageous places yeah. where you you can express yourself in a safe and fictitious in quotes way mm. And and so for me it's 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 inc it's an incredible kind of way of um, you know in terms of everything Matt's doing in his story it really represents the writer in everyone as well. Yeah, I mean his stories are very often they're about people finding their true selves. You know we hate being shoved in a box and people have expectations of how we're supposed to behave and we might decide that we don't want to behave that particular way. And as with authors, we you know we might want to tell stories that. Ref reflect an aspect of us that we might not normally talk about around the dinner table with the kids or whatever. You know, we uh, there's a there's a discussion going on uh, in a, an author's group on Facebook that I'm in where they're talking about uh, you know violence against women in books. This is for thrillers, you know, so completely mm -hmm. different. And, and they're saying, you know, this is difficult stuff to write about, but we need to talk about it. And this story is not something I want to talk about with friends over dinner or, or out in the pub or whatever, but it, you can explore it in a book, uh, you know, and this is, this is one of the reasons we write is we want to make sense of the world around us by going to, as you say, dark places, outrageous places, heartwarming places, uh, places that make us cry and make us laugh. And that's where we discover our true selves. But also crucially, we do that by having an authentic voice, by not pretending 
this is weird because you know we're not we can't be someone else but we do it by pretending to be someone else if you know what i mean it's like an actor um mm. J- jimmy cagney said acting is easy he said you just hit your mark look the other guy in the eye and speak the truth but that speaking the truth is the hard bit that is the really, really hard bit. And it's funny. I, I, I'm only going to touch this. I won't go. You know, we, we talked in the um, Christian Cameron episode about uh, he wrote a novel when he was 14 and it was a terrible novel. And, and you challenged me to come up with some crappy old novel. And I, I haven't got anything that goes f- that far that back, but I've got something from 2005 and I'm reading it and I'm thinking, I'm not quite there yet. It's not bad. But my voice is, I'm still trying to pretend to be Douglas Adams and, and all yeah. these other people. We try these shoes on, we try these 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 costumes on and try to be like these people, but I'm not quite me yet. And it's it's so strange because I, 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 I've got it now, but looking back, I look back at dear old Mark from 18 years ago and think, you're not quite there, mate. You're almost there, mm. but you haven't quite done it yet. So finding your true self and expressing it in story uh, is is the goal that we all aim for, really? Definitely. Now that book that you, that novel that you, story that you dug out, Mark. I think we should tease people. I mean, maybe could we have a? What was the title of that? <laughs> it's not very PC. It's called the Local Looney. Okay, okay. and it's uh, it was a time travel story about this girl who takes pity on a uh, someone who sort of drinks cider by the War Memorial. <laughs> Sounds and- like one of our friends. <laughs> <laughs> and claims to be this guy claims to be a time traveler, and it might just be her father. I think that was the story. Okay, so can we can confused. we can we tease people with a little bit of a reading from it at some point in a future episode? Might do. Yeah. Okay. Depends. All right. I'll see if I can yeah. twist their arm. All right. I could ask you, actually, if you if we could get uh, ten more patron supporters, maybe that could trigger it. <laughs> There you go. If you're on the fence and you want to hear one of Mark's uh, older, older stories, but yeah, no, so in all, they have to pay all, extra to hear my crap. Actually, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Or maybe pay not to hear it. Maybe we should reverse yeah. engineer. We should yes. reverse, reverse psychology. Yeah. If we can get hundred supporters, Mark won't read his novel mm. from eighteen years ago. Um, <laughs> but I, I no, I think I think it's super important though, isn't it to to understand that writing gives us an opportunity to express all of those things that we think about in our head and the things that we wouldn't say to other people in the streets. And it yeah. gives us this opportunity. And that's why, again, if we take it to the nth degree, it's like, that's why people write under pseudonyms as well. It's like they, 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 they need, they, they want to be themselves hidden under a different name because they want to separate they want to separate their normal life. You know, the, 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 the person in the office, you know, doing the, the day-to-day admin, whatever they do. And then the, the horror writer by night, you know, yeah, yeah. writing about yeah. like gruesome murders or, or you know, psychological um, thrillers, things like that. It's it's just, it, this it's, whole area fascinates me. It's weird. Going back to the drag thing as well, it's, it's a strange thing that by putting on a costume and a wig and some makeup, and I've, you know, I've acted and I've done bits of drag as, as part of acting and doing sketches and what have you as well, where by putting these you know, these extreme things on, it frees up something inside you to a part of you that, again, you wouldn't normally talk about. So, you know, being able to go on stage with a costume, ironically, is very, very liberating. By hiding behind something, it's a liberating thing in a way. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is making any sense whatsoever, but it's, uh, and it opens something, it, 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 it unlocks something inside of you that when you've taken all the makeup off, is still there, you know? <laughs> 
So that's yeah, that's key. That's that's, that's, that's key. the that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like it actually exists whether we're wearing that costume. If we if we're yes. allowed to be able to have the excuse of going out with this costume on, we can we can be the thing that's already inside us. Right. Yeah. And I think it's really yeah, I think yeah. it's fascinating. And it's there's a lot more to unpack around this, but um I mean there's there's so much more. There's so much more that we want to talk about, but we're gonna be doing it in the extended because mm. Uh, we need to give, we need to justify the time to do this. So we, uh, so, f- f- you know, if you're interested in joining us in the extended, these are the kind of things we're going to cover. We're going to talk about the changing titles. I've got to say, Mark, Ted Overheels. I wish you'd gone for that. I, it's the best <laughs> title ever. We're going to talk about changing titles. And we're going to talk about the pressures of like, you know, publishers, you know, with their ideas and, you know, the business side of it. Why, why titles change? Um, we're going to talk about Matt's kind of, uh, he talked about this ice cream, uh, the, 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 the character working in the family ice cream factory who didn't like ice cream. And we're going to talk about that as how you can use, use this method, if you like, for your character. We call it the saddest person in the happiest room. We're going to talk about rejection, folks. I mean, we talked about it before, but what a triumphant story for Matt, who went from like 30 agents with 50 publishers, but then turned his rejection around to use it to actually create his massive success of his crowdfunding. Yep. Um, we're going to talk about sabbaticals because it's something me and you both did as well. Both done it, yeah. Right. We're going to talk about to do it, yeah. We're going to talk about crowdfunding when you have no other options. Because in the past, we've always talked about crowdfunding as something which is, you know, well, you could go traditional or you could go indie or you could crowdfund. But in in Matt's case, crowdfunding was about he had to do it. It was his own yeah. option and, and how he made it a success. We're going to talk about writing to the market versus following your heart. I mean, yes, huge, huge topic to discuss. Um, we're going to talk about how Matt studied bestsellers and how he used the kind of mechanics of a bestseller to, to create his own. The The other thing I want to talk about, Mark, is about the writing drafts. I mean, Matt wrote, he rejected, got rejected, rejected. He kept rewriting his drafts for 12 years never gave up it's a sense of yeah. persistence um obviously talking more about the, the record that he created within the crowdfunding and literary awards we want to talk about as well how faye weldon he talked about you know do you have to be serious to win an award um and then finally you know how you get inspired by your favorite novels so as you can see it's going to be a big Let's get on with it i know we better get cracking <laughs> so if you want to join us folks we really would love you to support this podcast please join us and uh, go along to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support or join the academy and you'll get access to all of that extended as well so mark let's talk about what's happening on social media this week oh my gosh well settle down everyone we've got so much good news okay let's start with adam jarvis who uh was i think was one of one of our earliest supporters he, on on the academy one of the first people he was in the one academy. of the first people to join the academy yeah yeah and I, I I love his writing. He's a terrific writer. And talk about not giving up. That's our Adam. Uh, he got in touch just before Christmas. He says, my short story, Door to Portal, a salesman's story, has been published by Dreamforge magazine. Uh, they'd also did some really cool artwork to go with the story. It's free to read online. And it's a story of hope about a used wand salesman who uses his position to better the lives of others others so it. congratulations on that adam if you want to read that folks and it's a terrific short story there's a link in the show notes direct to the story that you can check out there so do check that out uh, another academy rj wade she said good week 
Finished the edits to book three of my YA trilogy following the first read by my editor last month, and it's now back with her for copy editing. My mission when joining the Academy in January was to complete book three, so I'm very, very happy. Well, so are we, RJ. Fantastic. Fantastic. Congrats on that. Congrats on that. Uh, Rebecca Powell, she said, I won something. To write awards, found out this week I'm one of the winners of the BPA Pitch Prize of the Year. Just a little bit excited, as are we, Rebecca. Fantastic news. Congrats on that. Brilliant stuff. Now, this, you you know we talk about goals uh, on the... Um, on the bestseller experiment and in the academy, talking about lists of lists of goals. This is a cracker. So Tanya Scott, who's in the BXP group, um, she she's got a new book out, Murder on the First Date, and she's written it as T. E. Scott. And she says, um, you know, that the BXP team was integral to getting this one out there, and you get a rightful place in the acknowledgements. So we're in the acknowledgements. I love that. She's had a wee Bailey's to celebrate. But what also happened? She got in a local newspaper. That's that's something that happens to authors. But she got on the front page front of the Run Future Gazette. Front page. She's she's wow. above the banner and everything. It's fantastic. It's, it's really, really brilliant. So, yeah, front page news. Fantastic. Congrats on that, Tony. It's really, really cool. Really, really cool. Um, some news that we got just today. Susie Edge, who did a fantastic deep dive with us on TikTok. And Susie talks about how she grew her readership using tiktok and i'll put a link to the show notes in that uh, so you can check that out if you're if you're supporting the podcast well today it was announced medical historian dr susie edges vital organs a history of the world's most famous body parts has been signed by wildfire so uh this book which is such a good idea for a book um is going to be published in september 2023 in hardback ebook and audio and the synopsis this is great listen to this from napoleon's penis to van gogh's ear Marie Antoinette's teeth to Marie Curie's bone marrow, Vital Organs brings together the remarkable stories of body parts that have made history. This collection of the world's most notable limbs, organs and appendages includes how Queen Victoria's armpit led to led the development of antiseptics, why Perse, uh, Percy Shelley's heart refused to burn and the strange case of Hitler's right testicle. I mean, look. <laughs> Sold. Who doesn't want to read that? Sold. Exactly. It's say, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely I've got to say, Mark, brilliant. two words I never thought I'd ever hear on this podcast. Napoleon's <laughs> Napoleon's penis. <laughs> Talk about band bonkers. names. Talk about great band names. Talk about, yeah, take it. Whoever's, whoever's hearing, are you thinking of a band name? There you go. Amazing, last, though. Amazing. It's just fantastic. Congrats, Susie. And last, but by no means least, again, talking about great achievements. So Lorna Cook. Uh, she said um, her new book, which she's writing under the name L. Cook. So the man I never met has just been recommended to millions of viewers on the Today Show on NBC. <laughs> and I'm smiling so much my face hurts. What? Yeah, this I know. Right, I know. I saw that <laughs> post. That is insane. Recommended by another author, I believe, as well. So yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. brilliant. And to, to suddenly hit that American market like that. These are the incredible changes that we're seeing and all these people that have been with us on this podcast. Um, it, it's, it's by far and away one of our most exciting parts of the show now, isn't it, Mark? Because it's just it getting better and better every week. And so thank you great, to everyone for just keeping on going. Great start to the year. It's great amazing. start. How are we going to follow that next better. week? Yeah, oh, my gosh. Exactly. Don't know. Well, well I'll tell you how we're going to follow it. You're going to, everyone listening, thinking, well, I've got a bit of news I want to share. Drop us a note if you've got something, and it doesn't have to be, you know, if it's the front page of your local paper or like millions of viewers on today, all, all brilliant and all amazing. So 
send us your news. Tell us something you want us to celebrate with you and all of our many, many listeners uh, on the show. And you can do that by going to the website and clicking on the Contact Us button. And whilst you're there, once you've sent us that message, click on the newsletter button and sign up to our mailing list because we've got some really yes. cool things happening this year. I'm not going to tell you what, but you want to get on there because you, you will actually miss out if you're not on the newsletter. So make sure you sign up to the newsletter this week. Do it, do it, do it. And do you it. can find us on social media. If you want to share your news or ask us a question, ask us any question about craft or book selling or publishing or whatever it is. Uh, so on Facebook, we're bestseller experiment, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. Twitter. Well, that's that's the new, that's when it's probably Twitter what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it merges with uh, something else. Splinter and twi- Twitter. Twinterest. Twinterest. Twitter. Twi- <laughs> uh, Twitter, we are at bestseller XP. And, uh, you know, we do have an, a Pinterest account. We've we not used it in years. Um, but uh, all the other thing, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your uh, podcast from uh, star rating, preferably five stars or more, uh, would be much appreciated. Uh, and a big thank you this week, especially to our editors, Dave and JD. JD, I think, is having a long slog getting through this, isn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. <think>? And remember, <laughs> folks, most importantly, we know word of mouth is the most important thing that makes book sales. Well, it's also one of the things that makes podcasts spread. So please tell a friend this week about podcast so thank you folks thank you mark have an amazing week can't wait to see you next week yeah and and to everyone out there in in writing world have an amazing week this will be the week that you will write something that might change the world so go for it and it's a goodbye <laughs> from mark one and it's a goodbye from napoleon's penis <laughs> goodbye goodbye <laughs>